Welcome into the Trevor Stop Show, episode number 26. Today we have a very special guest. We have Alden Harris, the recent winner of the Mid-America Open. We're going to talk to Alden all about that win. We're going to talk about the YouTube vlogs he's been making and as he feels like he's been slipping under the radar a little bit because I think that Alden could be a rising star in our sport. So let's hop right into it. All right, and we're now welcoming on our guest for the show today. We have the 2022 Mid-America Open champion, Alden Harris. Thank you so much for joining the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So before we dive into your recent win at Harmony Benz, uh, I want to get let the audience get a chance to know you a bit. Uh, it's kind of a you know your first win uh, on the Pro Tour this year, so you're kind of emerging. So I wanted to let everybody kind of get more of the full story. Um, you've been a PDGA member since only 2017, so not a super long time, but you've definitely been around for a little bit. Um, but before then, when did your interest in disc golf start in the first place? Yeah, so I played baseball my whole life. I okay. never even played any frisbee sports or disc sports. And then when I was 15 or 16, my dad had a gift card for some reason to a sporting goods store and wanted something to do with me and my brother. And he got a disc golf basket and some discs. So that's when I first started playing disc golf and really fell in love with it. Okay, so baseball player, what position? Uh, outfield. Outfield? Okay, okay. What Center field, right field, yeah, left field. Center field and left field, usually. Center field and left field. Okay. Um, do you feel like your your baseball skills like transitioned pretty easily into disc golf? Like that was a, a big help for you? Um, maybe a little bit, but not not anything I really noticed. It, it felt okay. like disc golf was a very new sport, and I really had to. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I came from I came from a baseball background as well, and similar to you, I. I had no Frisbee experience and like I played middle infield and a lot of people like immediately were like, Oh, so like the sidearm throw, like that probably translates so easily. And I'm like, no, actually I, I threw the backhand first. So I kind of feel the, uh, the same thing. I didn't really have that translation. Um, but getting on from that. So once you began competing, uh, you were able to grow your rating rather quickly. Your first rating of 876 jumped to over a thousand in just over two years. Um, did you take notice at how quickly you were progressing and did you kind of have your eyes set on professional disc golf at that point? Not really. Um, I don't know. It all kind of just happened. I, I yeah. guess I fell in love with it so much. It's just all I wanted to do. All I want to do is just go practice it and play rounds. So I guess it just kind of happened naturally. Yeah, no, I, I've heard that from a lot of people who like, I, I feel like I've interviewed quite a few people this year that have had a similar path where, they just started playing and getting better and it just all kind of like, it just was one step after another. Like, was there a point, you know, what, what point did you like make the decision? Like I'm going to tour, like at what point did you feel like, okay, I'm good enough that, you know, I can really put everything on the line here and go out and do mm -hmm. this. So in 2020, I think I, that was the year that I really felt like I had a chance to tour and that I wanted yeah. to, it was something I wanted to do. And then, but it was still it was still kind of up in the air if I would be able to or not if I was good enough or not. And then at the end of that season, I won Music City, which I felt yeah. was kind of like the the point where I kind of confirmed it with myself that I could. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, you obviously you had that win at Music City. You know, you're a few seasons into your professional career now. Uh, with that being said, and and with what you'd accomplished already in the past, what kind of expectations did you have for yourself going into this season? Um. I don't know. I don't want to just say no expectations, but I kind of feel like that's what it was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like there wasn't really like specific goals you had in mind. You kind of like what 
so like based on of last seasons, like was there anything that you were like have well let's just say put it this way, you know, regardless of the recent win that you just had before then, would you say that you were happy with your performance or were you think were you thinking that you were lacking a little bit? I definitely felt I was a little bit of both because I knew it was okay. my first first year on tour last year, so I wasn't I don't know. I was I felt like cashing at a few events, having a couple good events was was good for me, but I definitely wanted to do a little bit better this year, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um so let's let's dive into that win at Mid-America a bit. Uh going into the event, you know, getting there for the practice rounds and all that. I, it's funny, I just when I was talking to Isaac Robinson about Idlewild, you know, he mentioned that that whole week he felt awful. Uh he had no intentions of winning. He really didn't think it was going to be his week and then it turned out that way. Uh, going into this event at Mid-America, what were you feeling going into the week? Did you feel like it was kind of, you know, things were clicking or did it come out of nowhere? Um, I Going into that week, I really wanted to win. It was an event where I felt like I had a really good chance of winning. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I just, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I No, it's, I, um, did you, did your practice rounds go well or, or, you know, were they, were they not like the best? Yeah, or what, what was that, going on that there? course definitely suits my game pretty well. So my practice rounds, I was able to get a really solid game plan. And I think with that, I definitely, I, I felt like I had a really good chance of winning. So I went into the event, just giving it my all really, really gunning for the win. Yeah. Do you, what parts of Harmony Benz do you feel like line up to your game? Like what specific parts? Not a lot of forehands. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. Okay. Is, is that typically what you're looking for to in courses when you feel like you have a great chance to win is just like not forehand dominant? Yeah. I mean, I, I've been developing a little bit of a forehand so I can use it yeah. when I, when I absolutely need to, but for the most part, I don't really like throwing them and I'm, I'm pretty good at the flip up like mid or putters so I can, I can yeah. work with what I have, but yeah, I'm definitely, yeah. Yeah, it's we've certainly seen, you know, a lot of players have success, you know, even this season, you know, Garrett Gerthy is one of them who do not have crazy forehands, but still have had a lot of success on tour going into Ledgestone this week. What do you what do you feel like that course, the, the two courses, do they kind of suit that game plan as well? Or do you feel like the forehand is going to be tough to go without? Um, I feel like I'm I'm a player who who's relatively safe um plays relatively safe so eureka kind of plays to my benefit i feel like because people try to get pretty aggressive and go for birdies and then yeah. northwoods i feel like just playing harmony bends last week is going to help me because it's it's just throwing drivers hard through the woods pretty much every hole yeah which was yeah a yeah. lot of harmony bends yeah do you feel like it does there like definitely is there an intimidation factor to northwoods black or is it kind of like you know you're just trying to focus on keeping your head and, and getting through it. Cause it's almost hard to avoid like not having some really tough holes out there. Yeah. Northwoods is pretty terrifying. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where harmony bends, it's not the par fives are relatively short. The par fours are relatively short and there's, there's a lot of par threes, but at Northwoods, mm -hmm. if, if you have one bad shot, it's like an automatic bogey to double bogey where harmony bends. If you have a bad shot, you can sometimes even save the birdie. Right. So, Going back to uh, Mid-America, what parts of your game in specific that were really clicking that you thought were the biggest keys to your success out there? Um, I don't know. I was I was hitting my lines pretty well, but I felt like my putting was pretty good. I feel like my putting, yeah. I always have a good amount of confidence in my putting, but 
I think I only missed one inside the circle, which always helps. Yeah. Yeah, you were I think you were ninety seven percent for C one X putting for the event. So that's do you feel like with you like and this is similar to a lot of players, but is like putting the one thing where if it's on, that's gonna be like, okay, I have a chance to win at any point. Yes, definitely. I think so. Yeah. Um, so in the event, you know, you were playing well that entire event. You kind of went coast to coast, you know, never really had a bad round. But as you're going through an event like that and, you know, you come out hot the first round, you follow it up with another solid round. But what, what point during the event did it, does it really sink in that you're going to have a real chance to win? Like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm really in this. Yeah, I actually know the exact point. It was when I – because I had an early tee time round mm-hmm. one. And so I got in before, like, most people even started – and I came in with a nine under and I looked at scores and I was like leading and like no one else was even close. And I didn't even feel like I had a crazy good round. I felt like I left a lot out there. So, yeah, I think, I don't know. I felt like because I left a lot out there, I feel like I could get a lot more in the next two rounds. And if I guess that course was playing hard for people and I felt like it wasn't playing too difficult for me. So Yeah. yeah def- oh, wow. That's so certainly so pretty early on that you kind of were like, okay, you know, it's time that I may be able to get mm-hmm. a win. Um, so in that final round, uh, it was, you know, obviously you're battling for the lead during the final round. You had the lead for a lot of it. Uh, was there extra pressure added when you see Chris Clemens and Anthony Barella get into the clubhouse pretty far ahead of you with like really solid scores? Um, no, because I didn't even know the scores until like 60 seconds before I tapped out. Really? <laughs> so I know. Did, did you yeah. know? Well, did you know your score? I mean, I knew I knew my score, but not relative to really anyone else. So you did. So you didn't know you were going to win until you tapped out. Yeah, <laughs> walking over the bridge, I asked again. I was like, "If I make this, do I win?" He was like, "Yeah." Really? Is that so? Is that like an intentional strategy for you, just trying to keep the scores out of your head? Kind of. It's. It's. For, I mean, for like Anthony and Chris, I had no idea what was going on, but for uh, Gannon, I kind of had an idea that we were within one or two strokes, but. So yeah. I guess it's safe to say then, you know, with that being said, um, does that mean your your strategy on hole 18 probably wasn't going to change no matter what? Yeah. Okay. okay, that's interesting. I've heard it both ways. You know, there are a lot of players who like to, you know, know the scores like constantly. Some guys, you know, check it like at a certain hole during the round, but that's crazy. Wow. So like when you you heard that, like Gannon says to you, like, yeah, you're going to win. All you got to do is tap out. Like, did they just hit you all at once? Was that like a crazy shock? It. I felt like I was playing well enough where I kind of already okay. knew, but yeah, definitely, definitely was a good feeling when he kind of confirmed it. Wow, man, I guess he's a good friend. He could have, he could have just, he could have just <laughs> lied. That would have been a, that would have, that would have been a shock. <laughs> Terry comes up to you and you're like, "Wait, I thought I lost." <laughs> okay, wow, that's you know, that's that's I've never heard of somebody finding out that late. I think the last time something like that happened was like Eagle. I think won a few years back, yeah. and he didn't even know that he had won. Uh, that's crazy. Uh-huh. So, okay, well you know, you, you obviously were playing well and you said you were pretty confident, but at hole 17, there was a two stroke swing between you and Gannon. And that was a pretty pivotal point because it actually tightened it mm-hmm. up after that hole. Was there, did you feel any kind of pressure? Or did you have to regain composure or were you still pretty confident? Uh, um, it was definitely a little scary because I knew that brought him within one or two just in the, you know, in yeah. my head. Um, and hole 18 is very, very difficult, but it didn't really change my game plan because it's hard to play safe on hole 18 right. because you like the only tunnel is overall the OB. So, yeah. so I just stuck with my game plan. Yeah. Um, 
So one of the major stories surrounding your final round, besides the stellar play from the lead card, was the duration of the round. Um, I'm sure you've seen plenty of the comments and the feedback online about it. Like people have been talking about it all over the place. But you know, since you were actually on the lead card, you know, you were in the situation. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like it was taking long? And then was there factors at play that led to it taking longer that people might not realize that they're really just drawing assumptions? Yes, because I've seen a lot of the comments like aim towards Gannon, and obviously he does take a while. But I felt like our the separation from the lead card and chase card happened on the front nine. Mm-hmm. Um, when, because Evan and Connor were kind of struggling on the front nine, and they were probably both like, I, I don't really know, but maybe four or five over just on the front nine, and that alone probably caused the separation. Yeah, yeah. So, so you feel like most of it was kind of you know people were picking and choosing at things that weren't you know necessarily the cause. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like, and I, I've heard a lot of people say too, you know, just playing on coverage on the lead card can also increase the time of your round. Do you feel like that was, you know, part of it as well? Uh, yeah, there's a couple times where we kind of had to wait for the gallery to get in position. They're kind of moving around on the side of the tee pad or side of the green. So yeah, I definitely think having a gallery adds a little bit more time. Yeah. Well, the last thing I wanted to add about that, um, was in situations like this, cause like, Obviously, it's become, you know, it's been a huge talking point really throughout the season is like how long players are taking, you know, trying to control things. And, and I think it's going to become very relevant at Ledgestone because of Northwoods Black and how notorious the backups are, you know, 45 minutes and things like that. Um, you know, and then and then to add to the fire, the whole Nico situation happened. And, and now, now we're talking more about like, okay, should there be stopwatches everywhere? What is your perception of, you know, the current climate about like what, what do the players feel like on tour? Like what's the buzz about how that should be handled going forward? You know, are most players thinking, Oh, I think we should start timing all the groups or are the most people kind of loose about it. Like what's kind of the feeling? Um, I, I feel like it's mostly situational, at least yeah. in my mind. Cause mm-hmm. like I play with Gannon a lot and I don't feel like he takes a ton of time up until there's a lot of pressure yeah. and and I'm, I mean, I, I just don't see anyone calling him under that pressure because, I don't know, it's a big moment in the tournament, and I feel like he deserves maybe a little more extra time because it's such a big moment. Yeah, I and we, we've talked about this a lot, but I think that it's tough that, like, Gannon definitely gets a lot of the scrutiny because a lot of people are tu- tuning into that round. In the second part of that round, there's already a lot mm-hmm. of separation, and you're right, they are watching him play under the most pressure he's on, under all round. Um, and why, whereas they haven't seen, you know, maybe on the front nine, like he's playing pretty quickly, you know, stuff like that. Um, so do you feel like the best way to handle it going forward? You know, is there, is there a point, you know, even under pressure where like an official needs to be called over and there needs to be time assessed? Like, is there ever, does it get to that point? I, I feel like, um, I feel like it should really just be if it's actually causing a backup. And in okay. my head, that's that's kind of what makes sense to me. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, well, obviously, uh, Mid America, this is one of the big ones of your career, but you've also had some pretty significant wins. You know, you took down Goat Hill. That was a great win uh, with a really cool trophy, by the way. Um, <laughs> how has that? How has it been toting that thing around? By the way, <laughs> yeah, I, w- I would paint over, but it's not here anymore. I put it. Yeah. Put it on my shelf when I got home. Okay, so you were able to drop it off. Yeah. <laughs> that's nice. That's the one thing I hear a lot. Um, because like you see some trophies at some of the pro tours and like, Oh, these things are just not that great. But then you hear 
people talk about like um like well you do realize a lot of these players would have to put them in their vans or whatever <laughs> so i feel like they just need to like come with mailing service to like yeah. get them back to your home yeah, base like like albert in tallahassee he got like an arrow which i don't know how yeah. you even get that back <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good point yeah um but with with this win and comparing it to some of the other big ones you've had in your career uh where does it compare like is this definitely the best one you've had is it the most you know excited you've been about a win before um yeah i think so i think it's definitely the biggest one of my career um but it doesn't it doesn't feel much different than my other wins just because okay. I don't know, because at the time when I won Music City, that was my biggest win. Goat Hill then was my biggest win, and now this is my biggest win. So they all feel very similar to me. But yeah. I think I'm, I think on paper, this is my biggest one for sure. Okay. And looking forward to the rest of the season, is there a certain event that you've kind of got, you know, circled on your schedule that would be like the most special to win going forward? Oh man. Um, I mean, obviously one of the majors would be pretty crazy, but yeah. other than that. I've always loved Smuggler's Notch. I think those courses okay. play well to my game, so give yeah, it a chance okay. there. Yeah, that's a good pick for sure. Um, so one of the things that, you know, when you won, um, I, had, I had heard of you. You know, I had seen you on YouTube and watched you play a few times, but I feel like as I dove into your stats a little more and kind of looked at your PDGA profile and was, like, researching a bit, one thing I noticed was, you know, you're, you're young, you know, you haven't been around for a super long time. You know, how old are you exactly? You 21. don't mind me asking. You're only 21. Okay. So you're younger than me. You're, you're super <laughs> young. Um, you've had, you know, some successful wins on tour. You know, I forgot about the win at music city. Uh, you know, that's certainly a big one. You've got this win now and the one at goat Hill was no joke either. You beat some really good players. Um, and you've kind of emerged onto the sport really quickly. And I think that a lot of other players have, you know, been put on this like spot, you know, Gannon being one of them. And, and certainly he's deserved it, but like, Oh, the young prodigies and futures of the sport essentially. And, you know, there's a couple other names that you can fill in those slots, but you're not really a name that has up until this point been associated with that. Do you feel like you've kind of slipped under the radar a little bit as, as far as being somebody who's being pegged for, you know, a future star in the sport? Um, I don't know. I don't go online much, so I wouldn't really yeah. know, but okay. I mean, maybe, <laughs> Yeah. Hey, well, you know what? The best place to be is under the radar. So it's, it's working <laughs> out so far. Uh, you definitely won't do yourself any harm by, uh, by staying out of the comment sections. That's for sure. <laughs> um, one other thing I wanted to ask too, is the hair. What's the story with the hair? Cause you have incredible hair. It's so long <laughs> and, and it's definitely a, it's definitely a signature look. So what's mm, the story with yeah. the hair? Um, well, I went to a high school that didn't allow for long hair. So maybe okay. that kind of sparked my want for long hair, but ever since I graduated, I, I rarely cut it now. So, yeah. So it's just kind of been, just keeps going, you know, yeah, I get it. I get it where like it gets to a length where now it's just like, you know, why cut it, you know, just keep it going. <laughs> um, how, how long has it been? So it's been what, like three years now, four years. Yes. Something yeah. like that. Wow. Um, I would have guessed even longer. It's pretty, that's pretty <laughs> impressive. Your hair grows fast. Um, so aside from, um, the way you've been making waves on the disc golf scene with your play has been your YouTube vlogs that you've been rolling out. Um, I stumbled upon them a few months ago and like, I was absolutely like shocked because <laughs> I feel like I don't have a super good grip on like the disc golf YouTube content these days because I, I make a lot of it. So mm -hmm. it's hard to watch a lot of it, but I've seen, you know, a lot of the players that do vlogs, but I hadn't seen yours. 
And they just made me laugh because like, I haven't seen like Ganon, you know, painted in that light before mm-hmm. and Gavin and, and Simon's and a few of them. Um, so what made you decide to start those while out on tour? Um, mostly just fun. I just, and to yeah. look back at them later in life. Cause I think they're so fun to make. And I feel like my life or every week is just so, is so different and there's so many different experiences. So I definitely wanted to capture it. But another reason was obviously to, grow my brand and to just, I don't know, start something. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, and it, it certainly makes sense. I mean, I would, any disc golfer at this point that has time to do it should really be getting that like kind of content because, you know, it's, it's really easy to, to find success on YouTube. And there's a lot of people, disc golf fans that are looking for that kind of behind the scenes content. Um, your, your behind the scenes content is kind of a mixture. Cause it's like, some of it is like true behind the scenes, but then some of it, um, feels like more you know i want to say scripted but it's definitely a little bit scripted scripted, yeah (laughs) so like how much uh how much planning and scripting goes on like is it usually like oh we just have a quick idea or is there like a lot of thought that goes into Um, it during the off season i thought of a lot of stuff to do that i thought would be funny so i wrote down a lot of it and every i think it was like a month ago i got this little notepad and wrote down all the all the tournaments ahead and just like a couple things to do at each tournament just to have like a kind of a schedule for each tournament just so i don't go into the week with no ideas but then definitely like 80 percent of it is just like just whatever happens happens yeah no that's a great that's honestly a great idea is there is there like players that have like asked to like be a part of your vlog now that it's kind of picked up some steam yes definitely a couple of them yeah, that's that's awesome. Have you so have you Gannon and Gavin and the other guys in the vlogs? Have you guys been friends for a while, or you just kind of become you know getting closer on tour? Um, the Robinsons I've known for a while because they're from Georgia, so I've played with right, them. Yeah, yeah, since I started playing. Um, Gannon I met last year, and we uh, we talked a lot during the off season. We played a lot of video games, so we've got to know each other a good bit. And then Gavin okay. I didn't meet until Vegas. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. Well, yeah, I mean, you guys definitely have a pretty cool dynamic in the vlogs. Like I said, I like, I think they're some of the best content. If you're listening <laughs> to this show right now and you haven't seen Alden's vlogs, find them on YouTube. Just search Alden Harris and you'll see it. It is really funny content and you get to see a lot of like, I mean, I watched, I literally, I've seen a bunch of them and I, I sat down earlier this afternoon and watched like the rest of them that I hadn't seen because like, <laughs> it was just a great time, you know, Gannon's funny. So Gannon's very <laughs> you know, funny. I, yeah, like when I met him, it was kind of before he kind of really broke out on tour. So like he was still in his shell a little mm-hmm. bit, but he's definitely like broken out a bit. Yeah. Um. Anyways, one of the last things I wanted to ask you, uh, I like to get power rankings on my shows for and like kind of customize it to uh, who's my guest. So being, you know, part of the van life, you know, it's something you claim. Um, I want to get your power rankings of the top two best and worst parts of the van life. Okay. Hmm. Um. Wait. Top two worst and best. So four total. Yeah, four total. Okay. okay. Um. Let's see. The best. I love having all my stuff with me. That's always nice. Yes. It's just my home on wheels, so it's like being home at every event, no matter where I am. Yeah. Um. Maybe a, maybe another good one to come to me, but I'm gonna go to the bad ones because I already thought okay. of one. Uh, okay. basically I, I don't really have a crazy built out van. It's very, I don't know. It's very, uh, boring, I guess. Um, yeah. but I don't really any insulation. So basically whatever temperature it is out there, it's in here. So mm. mid America, it was like a hundred, oh, yeah. which was horrible. So 
luckily for me, I got a hotel for that one, but that's definitely a, if I, if I don't get a hotel at those events, it's, it's a pretty miserable week in the van. Okay. Um, man, see another, another bad one and good one. I, I can't, those are the first two that came to mind. <laughs> Well, hey, you know, maybe those are the only ones that really stick out. <laughs> are you are you planning on um, kind of building it out more, or is that something you're looking to do in the future? Um, it, it, it used to be a passenger van back in the day okay. before I even had it, so it would be kind of difficult to build it out now because it used to have windows. It's wrapped now, but yeah, so it would yeah. be a bit of a process, but I mean, maybe. Okay, yeah. I, I mean, I've seen some, you know, the touring solutions that are out there in the disc golf scene are pretty crazy. Yeah. I mean, you have everything from – you know, Ezra using a Prius back in the day to the guys who have like the full on RVs. So it's certainly, um, there's a lot to it. As far as like the long drives, do those like bother you? Mm-hmm. Like what's your technique that's, to get through the long that's drives? That's another, another, uh, good, good one for the bad, bad things about it. Uh, yeah, okay. they, they used to be pretty bad. They're not as bad anymore. You kind of get, kind of get numb to driving, I guess. Like, like yeah, coming here, that. can't remember how long it was, but I don't even remember the drive goes by so fast now i i under i can totally get that we drove like 12 hours to missouri for a disc golf thing earlier this year and ever since then every drive just feels like a cakewalk (laughs) it's because of that one so Mm -hmm. i totally can get that um but anyways alden thank you so much for joining the show um it was great hearing from you and getting to know you a bit more and everybody we're going to be rooting for you at ledgestone thank you another win i appreciate it thanks for having me All right, and thanks once again to Alden for joining the show. It was great hearing from him on all things disc golf and YouTube. If you haven't seen Alden's content on YouTube, once again, make sure to go check that out. It is really funny. Uh, You're you're really going to have a good time watching it. Uh, I've watched them all. Um, But also make sure to be paying attention to Alden as he's making his way up the leaderboards in the future. Uh, Definitely one to watch for. And make sure to join us next Thursday because we're going to have another great episode with another special guest. So we'll see you then. (laughs) 